it's absolutely impossible to, to give a high five and not be excited or have a positive exchange between the two people. Ah, the high five. That classic display of emotion when words just aren't enough. Now, if we agree that high fives are an indication of enthusiasm, try and imagine what we have on our hands today. Give me a high five. He gave a high five and a high five the high five. I, um, I held it till about two years ago. I held the Guinness World Record with uh, 9,325. Okay, it's super simple. Just slap <laughs> <laughs> Mountain Meister is supported by Champion Sport Extreme, CSX. They've taken over 30 years of experience in manufacturing medical compression and used that to create a new line of products for active individuals such as yourself. Their compression socks are loaded with features, including a self-adjusting top band to prevent slippage, a seamless toe box to reduce friction, Achilles protection, arch support, graduated compression, calf cradle, I could go on and on, for 50% off of everything at csxchampion.com. Type in the code MEISTER at checkout. Oh, and while you're on the internet, maybe consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Just go to our podcast, click on Ratings and Review, and click Write a Review. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. Today with us, we have Roy Tuscany, who is the founder of High Fives Foundation, which works to provide grants and recovery options to injured athletes from the action sports world. To date, they have helped raise funds, secure treatments, and aid recovery in 67 athletes. Do I have that number right, Roy? Actually, we just gave out some more money and some new grants in the last months. We're actually up to 70 athletes now from 19 states. 70 athletes from 19 (laughs) states founded in 2009, but in 2006, Roy was aspiring to be a professional skier himself, uh, but became paralyzed from the waist down after overshooting a jump. In less than two years after the accident, Roy was back on skis. Roy Tuscany, welcome to Mountain Meister. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, I got to do this uh, interview from my favorite ski shop in the world, uh, Vermont North here in Warren, Vermont. So just really immersing myself in the ski community while doing this podcast. It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun out there. Yeah, they're uh, tuning skis and, you know, wrapping up the day. I think someone just dropped off a 12-pack for a tune or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, depending on when our listeners are tuning in, maybe they'll join you for one. Uh, Roy, thanks for joining us. You you are a Vermonter. Is that that how you say it? Vermonter? Somebody from Vermont? Yeah, I think so. I'm a fifth fifth generation Vermonter. Wow. That that (laughs) goes, what, all the way back to the founding of America? A little bit after, actually. A little after, right. And I went to school in New Hampshire, and a person from New Hampshire is called a New Hampshireite. That's why I didn't know what a Vermonter was actually called. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Vermonter. It sounds right. It gets it has the hard R in there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but you do you have this this pride, which is so characteristic of East Coasters. However. You live in Tahoe right now, and you seem very proud of living in Tahoe. So I'm just like, what's going on here, Roy? 
Oh, I mean, if you actually go to Lake Tahoe, you'll realize that 90% of the town is actually made up Vermonters or UVMers. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty much like a, um, it's like a little secret Vermont out West. And, uh, so we've been, I've been there since 2004. It's a great place. We're finally getting snow again. We've had, you know, four years of pretty harsh winters and, uh, things are starting to turn the corner and, you know, hopefully we'll start having a winter like Vermont is having this year. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Although Tahoe did just get some snow. I thought I saw, right? Yeah, we just got 16 inches and then another 9 inches today. So we're, we're starting to climb again, which yeah, is good. Starting to catch up to Boston this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if anybody can catch Boston. Yeah, this year. no, trust me. It is, there's a lot of snow out here. So let's, let's go back. Uh, let's talk about you a little bit. In 2006, you were aspiring to be a professional skier, correct? Yep. And you had this tragic accident which essentially stopped that journey of becoming a professional skier. Can you tell us kind of what, what, what kind of skier you were and then what, what happened on that day? Yeah, so in uh, 2006, uh, things were starting to go really right for me in, uh, out in Tahoe. I was doing a bunch of photo shoots, video shoots, and uh, in contests and having a blast. And then the last day of the season, went down to Mammoth Mountain. I had been there two weeks prior, and I hit this step-up jump that was just so lofty and so much fun. And for some reason, I don't know, I, I was always into safety. And for some reason that day, I decided not to speed check this jump. And I ended up going uh, 130 feet on a 100-foot uh, step up. Mm-hmm. So overshooting and uh, coming down straight in the air and the resulting crash into the snow burst fractured my T12 vertebrae right into my spine. So I don't do anything too crazy on skis, but occasionally I'll venture over to the terrain park and... I know it's like it's really scary to overshoot a jump because of the flat landing. In your case, it was a step up and a 100 foot long jump. How high did you fall from? I came down from 30 feet in the air and uh, came right down and literally what felt like a, a truly uphill landing, but it was just so flat and there was no way to uh, there was no way to take the compression. And and what happens after that? I mean, do you remember anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, Instantly, um, I kind of went into this weird state. And then the next thing I remember is this air mass coming onto my face and just this rush of oxygen and this rebirth almost. And I woke to a whole bunch of people standing around me and me being like, wow, I don't know what's going on and not being able to feel my feet or move them. And uh, unfortunately, the radiologist at the hospital I was originally brought to, he was like, you're never going to walk again. And, you know, at that time, you're not really sure who you're talking to, who these people are, who is the expert in the field, as you know, I was not at all uh, a part of this in my life before. And it turned out the radiologist, you know, kind of overspoke, overstepped his boundaries. And, uh, you know, later the doctor at Renown who actually did the surgery, a a neurosurgeon whose uh, great, great grandfather was... uh, Nathaniel Chittenden, the first governor of Vermont, which is a pretty ironic <laughs> wow. tie-in right there. Um, so Dr. David Leppel, you know, he told me, he's like, whatever you put into your recovery, you'll get in return. Wow. And, and I took that as, okay, I'm going to work 110% and try to get 110% return back from my recovery. Did he mean that literally? I, I guess what I, what I mean by that is, you know, if you put in hard work, ideally you receive some sort of internal reward Uh, from that hard work but did he literally mean that through your recovery by putting in hard work you would in fact recover you know i can't 
I can't really speak on it other than I think he said that because he knew that I had a hardworking background. You know, us Mm -hmm. New Englander people kind of have that instilled in him. And I think he kind of put that in front of me as a challenge almost. Because I remember when I went back and saw him three months later, he was, you know, blown away that I walked into his office with crutches. And he was like, you know, this was my this was my guy. I can't believe you're walking in here. And it, it was just, you know, I think... You know, I think he knew that being from the East Coast, he knew that I had that hardworking mentality and that kind of never give up, you know, drive. And because of that, I think he kind of told me that and I, I took it wholeheartedly. That's really cool. How, like, how, how do you recover from this? Just lots of physical therapy? Yeah, lots of physical therapy, trying a lot of things that, you know, potentially might not always be, you know, as, as seen as the status quo. Um, like what? Uh, acupuncture, massage, um, neuro, neurokinetic massage, uh, Pilates, this uh, bar effect, uh, yoga, just literally trying everything possible from personal training to physical therapy to pool therapy to then all these different types of modalities of healing and, and trying to see where those would lead me to in my recovery. Wow, so many things going on. Uh, how did you receive all of this? And, and also, is this the beginning of High Fives Foundation? So I was super lucky. I was coaching for uh, a ski academy at the time called uh, Sugar Bowl, which is on top of Donner Summit in Truckee, California. And then I was from this great area in Vermont, the Mad River Valley. And those two areas got together and rallied and raised uh, $85,000 for me over a two-year time period. And that money was all kind of stored underneath the Sugar Bowl Academy nonprofit. They set up an umbrella account called Roy's Recovery Fund. And that recovery fund and in the ways that that was set up is sort of the, you know, the basis or the start to uh, High Fives Foundation. It was all invoice based. So if I ever wanted to use any money, I had to present an invoice and then, you know, they would pay that invoice directly. So all the money could be tracked and followed. And it was never like they're like, here, Roy, here's 5,000 bucks. Like, go use how you want it. And we've used the same concept with the foundation. You know, any athlete that gets grant funding from us, we provide them with a budget, and then that budget is followed up directly from the foundation to the vendor that's providing it. And then that way, you know, all the money's trackable, and there's never a question of uh, how funds are used, and you can always report back to your donors too, you know, saying, hey, you know, X amount of money was used in this way for this person's recovery, and it's, you know, been a really successful, you know, platform that we've used to make sure that, you know, no one ever questions the way that funds are used. Mm-hmm. So the name is fun. High Five Foundation. <laughs> how how did it get its name? So the name of the foundation came from interacting with doctors during my recovery, and a lot of doctors are just they're they're so you know they're directly into this concept of you know always looking at a medical chart, and they're not really always looking at the patient. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it was saying, you know, like, hey, like, I'm going to break the ice. And I remember the first time I did it to Dr. Lepo, I was like, give me a high five. He looked at me and I was like, hey, it's super simple. Just slap (laughs) your hand. (laughs) We're not, you know, rebuilding someone's back right now like you did for me. We're just slapping hands and exchanging stoke because it's absolutely impossible to to give a high five and not be excited or have a positive, you know, exchange between the two people. That's exactly what it is. It's an emotional exchange. Uh, one that can't be exchanged through words. Um, have you ever looked up the origins of a high five? You know, I have. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple different stories. There's one that, um, that they say the Louisville basketball team in like 1973 mm-hmm. um, invented it during uh, a March Madness game. 
Um, that's one. Then there's also uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 1976 uh, baseball playoffs. Um, Dusty Baker came out. No, Don Baylor. Or was it Dusty? It does, you're right, Dusty Baker. I I just found all this stuff in yeah. Wikipedia. You obviously haven't memorized. <laughs> so, so Dusty Baker came out, and Glenn Burke had just hit a home run, and they exchanged and gave a high five. And those are kind of the two known, um, I guess you could say, um, original existence yep. of uh, of the high five. This is <laughs> all really good stuff. Uh, there's a there's an ESPN thirty for thirty short. Uh, if you're if our listeners aren't familiar with thirty. For 30, ESPN does these segments on pretty cool topics uh, in sports. So there was one on the on the high five, and I'll put that on your Meister profile page, Roy. Awesome. Uh, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other things I found on the high five Wikipedia article, though. The high five origi- originated from the low five, <laughs> which has been part of the African American culture since at least World War II. And it also says Magic Johnson once suggested that he invented the high five at Michigan State. I don't think that's true because the the Dusty Baker and uh, Glenn Burke story that you told us earlier, uh, Roy, came before that. Yeah, and then there's the Louisville basketball team, right? Which came, a which little came bit before, before that. that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't believe Magic did it. Yeah, I, I don't no, think he did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, a, a reporter uh, who covered that game, that uh, Dodgers game. Uh, this is what he wrote: It was a wild, triumphant moment and a good omen as the Dodgers headed to the playoffs. Glenn Burke, waiting on deck, thrust his hand enthusiastically over his head to greet his friend at the plate. Baker, not knowing what to do, smacked it. Baker said, his hand was up in the air and he was arching way back. So I reached up and hit his hand. It seemed like the thing to do. <laughs> wow, they made that sound almost like a uh, like an erotic novel. <laughs> It was so enthusiastic. But if you think about it, like when you give somebody a high five, that's, you know, it's just like a display of emotion. It really, truly is. Um, Actually, I am uh, a little little cat out of the bag. I'm actually going for the world record again for the most high fives in a 24-hour period. (laughs) I I held it till about two years ago. I held the Guinness World Record with uh, 9,325, but I was unfortunately beat by a gentleman in Australia. And uh, I'm doing, uh, we're working on a promotion with uh, NASCAR and Joey Logano and Talladega Motor Speedway uh, to re-break the world record and bring it back to the United States. Oh my God, this is great. Okay, so (laughs) the world record right now is what, 9,300? No, it's like 15,000, like 504, I think, or something like that. All right, we got to, do you know what that is? Like how that breaks down per, like per second or per minute? We can do the math right now. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a good amount. The guy was smart. He did it at a marathon, and there was a, a, a like a bottleneck in the course, and he just stood there. That's and there was like idea. twenty thousand people at the, running in the marathon, so everyone kind of had to high five him. Does it have huh. to be a different person high fiving you each time? Yes, it okay. does. And you have to keep your arm up the whole time during <laughs> during it, it, which makes it quite challenging. So uh, if, he, if he does fifteen thousand three hundred high fives in a day. Yeah. We'll say he's awake for 16 of those hours just for fun. So he's giving 956 high fives an hour, which comes out to 15 high fives a minute. So he's giving uh, one high five every five. Every four, four, yeah, four, four, four seconds. Yeah. Yeah. He's okay. doing well. He's doing really well. <laughs> I have so, faith. We'll have to watch. We'll have to, you'll have to keep us updated on this, Roy. 
Yeah, I know. It's going to be a task. Because when I broke it before, you know, we went to this event that they said was going to have X number of uh, people coming to it, and they were off by about 9,000. And so we ended up going to a football game, then walking the streets of San Francisco. I did. I think I went high fiving for about twenty hours, and it was a, it was an absolute uh, almost disaster that turned successful in the very end. <laughs> and you're like predicting my notes. I had I had a, a question on here that said, "How many high fives do you give in a day?" So good work there. <laughs> <laughs> so one day I gave nine thousand three hundred and twenty five. <laughs> That's awesome. Great, great, great. Uh, final thing on that Wikipedia article, a medical study. I'm not sure why they did this medical study, but it found that fist bumps and high fives spread fewer germs than handshakes, uh, just in case you were wondering. I uh, I actually just saw that the other day, that it's better to high five than handshake. Right, which is good Which is good for your foundation, right? It's very good. Yeah. You know, we didn't call it the handshake foundation. So when you, I guess when you have a boardroom meeting, do you guys high five or handshake or both? <laughs> uh, I definitely think we high five way more than we handshake. Okay. <laughs> Whenever we meet with athletes, we definitely give out high fives way yeah. more than we shake hands. Cool. Good, good stuff. The High Fives Foundation, living up to your name. More Mountain Meister coming up soon. But first, let's thank a sponsor. Mountain Meister is supported by the DeLorme InReach Explorer the world's only satellite communicator with built-in navigation. With the InReach Explorer, you can send and receive messages, plan routes, drop waypoints, and share your journey from anywhere in the world. But its other features are what makes the InReach not only a navigation device, but a survival kit, too. During emergency situations, you can trigger an SOS and interact with DeLorme's 24-7 search and rescue monitoring center. For 35 bucks off of your purchase of the InReach Explorer, visit inreachdelorme.com and type in the code MEISTER at checkout. As always, you can find this deal and all others on our website. Thanks. Back to the show. So, Roy, we've had other athletes on the show who have encountered injury or adversity, uh, and all of them have said that it has changed their outlook although many of them have different answers. So I guess, how, how has this changed you? How has this changed your outlook? So, you know, I think the big thing is, like, you don't really, you don't really grasp how great things are until you lose something. And someone with a blown knee injury is going to think about, you know, the time that they lost from having a blown knee. And someone like myself, who suffered an injury that's a much longer, doesn't really have a recovery plan like a, a blown knee. We kind of look at things in a in a different in a different view to better understand how great we did have it and how we still can, you know, do things. But it might be in a different way. It might, as you could say, be in an adaptive way, as as a as in a way that you're trying to figure out a, a different course of path or a different action on how to complete it. And I think I think that's the big thing is like a lot of people they just don't always understand the loss that they have until they lose something. Yeah. I was listening to a TED talk from a lady named Ash Beckham and she was talking about something difficult that happened in her life and she said hard is not relative, hard is just hard. And I guess what she means by that is we shouldn't be trying to judge each other's challenges or compare challenges just hard is hard what, what do you think about that 
I I think that's a great way to put it. You know, um, hard is just hard for me. You know, walking up a set of stairs is is hard, and uh, someone else might find it. You know, something to me. You know, like doing math, like math, something that comes natural to me. But to other people, that's hard to them. And so it's <clears throat> it's kind of all relative to you know the challenges that you put in front of you and how you view them as as being hard and and understanding that they're hard for a reason. And it's because if everything was easy in life, there would be no challenges and i hate to say it is so many people would love that there was no you know hardship in life but in all honesty without hardship it's really hard to truly understand those blissful moments that energize you or release adrenaline through your brain that you know sparks new interest or just sparks excitement Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the downs, then I think it's harder to have the ups because if you're constantly having ups, how would you recognize, you know, right. the good times? Mm-hmm. You you are so enthusiastic, but but there are other people who aren't. Why why do you think you're you're so positive and enthusiastic? You know, I've just I've just understood that you know I had something in my life uh, happen to me, and I could have taken two roads, and I decided to open the door that that led to you know not self pity. But to, you know, better the world through philanthropic efforts to the foundation, um, through surrounding myself with good people and trying to figure out ways to make, you know, advancements so I can stay within the sports that I love. Roy, we like to get a gear recommendation from the guests that we are so fortunate to have on this show. Give our listeners something that they have to have. You know, I'd say something that people have to have is a uh, GoPro Silver 4. Um, they're mind blowingly amazing. They allow you to capture your day. You can capture things that, you know, five years ago you could never capture with any type of device. And you're able to just, you know, relive moments in a perspective that you've never been able to see before. And I think that's the really cool thing about them is, yeah, they've got great marketing. Yeah, they've got cool athletes. They've got cool branding, all those things. But what you can actually capture with them is just, it's just unreal. And you get to relive something in a view or in a moment that, you know, you would have never been able to capture outside of just, you know, taking the old mental picture what's the weirdest thing that you've captured on a gopro or what's the most interesting way that you've used one um i think the cool thing that i've done with them is because i ski without riggers so um, i have ski poles that have skis on the end of them mm-hmm. we've been able to put the gopros on the tips of those outriggers and capture just some really cool moments of carving into the hill that you know i don't think you can really get unless you have a cameraman holding one there and um very neat yeah, so for me, and then the cool part is, is I always have like as dumb as this sound, I always have a selfie stick for the chairlift. Um, <laughs> you can you can put the GoPro out on the outrigger, right. hold it out there, and then get all your buddies on the chairlift, regardless wow. if you're on a three pack, a four pack, or a six pack chair. Wow, you have it measured. <laughs> what about a gondola? <laughs> uh, the gondola, you know, you can just kind of hold it and take right. it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. The GoPro Silver Four on Roy's Meister profile page on our website, MTN meister.com Roy we have one more question for you uh, you are today's mountain meister congratulations on that but Thank we want to get a recommendation for the next mountain meister we want to hear who you want to hear on this show so I would say uh, I'd want to hear my longtime favorite skier who I still think is probably the best skier I ever have seen ski. I was just skiing with him the last couple of days. Um, he was super famous in the 80s. He was super famous in the 90s. He's still super famous in my mind. But uh, John Egan um, is who I would like to see to be the next Mountain Meister. John Egan. 
Keep an eye out for him on a future episode of Mountain Meister. Keep an ear out, actually, not an eye out. Roy Tuscany, wonderful having you on Mountain Meister today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for having me. For the listeners, you can find out more at highfivesfoundation.org or go to Roy's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. We at Mountain Meister know that getting away from it all is great, as long as you make it back. With the Delorme InReach Explorer's tracking functions and its ability to trigger an interactive SOS in an emergency, you'll be in good hands in any journey. For 35 bucks off of your purchase, visit InReachDelorme.com and use the code MEISTER at checkout. Thanks for supporting one of our supporters, and thank you for listening to this episode of Mountain Meister with Roy Tuscany. For the Colorado listeners out there, I will be spring skiing in Aspen over the next few days from April 2nd to April 5th. If any of you are out there, shoot me an email, ben at mtnmeister.com, and we can try to get some turns together. That'd be fun. Enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. I'm Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister.